that like way creepier? A little creepier. It's still kind of <laughs> creepy, but <laughs> it's it's already borderline. Not believe it. We managed to get it together enough to do this once every other week, plus the yeah. episodes for one whole year. For all, like that's amazing. It's a miracle. Mm-hmm. I guess we must really enjoy doing this. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, I, I have fun. I love these stories so much. Oh, it's the highlight of my month every time we come together to do these episodes. I got to say, when we decided to do Sleeping Beauty for our podversary, I was thinking like, oh, I was going to be, I was thinking I was going to be a little disappointed because I thought I knew the story. <laughs> and alas, I was not disappointed <laughs> in the things that I read <laughs> and saw. Yeah, uh, there, there is a lot to cover. I, I too mm-hmm. thought I knew the story, but that's just because <laughs> I really love the animated movie. <laughs> It is pretty from like, great. From, gosh, I will we'll get into this later in the episode, but I thought that the Sleeping Beauty movie was later than it was. I thought that it was more recent until I actually looked at the date. Like 1959 or something, right? Yeah, it was like, it was it was put out like only a couple of years after my mom was born. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, which, it was one of the first. It wasn't the first, but it was one of the first. Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely not the first. Um, there Snow were a lot was more. The first. There, I was actually. I th- then I went in a bit of a tear and I looked up the dates on like a bunch of the movies, mm-hmm. a bunch of like the animated films that I enjoyed when I was a kid, and a lot of them were like the 1930s, the 1940s. Like the Sleeping Beauty is actually one of the later ones of sort of that early period of of Disney animated films for children. Mm-hmm. But anyway. That was that was just kind of a trip. I thought that it was more recent than it was just because it just continues to be so iconic that I Yep. It just it's just so relevant still that I <laughs> thought that it must be more recent than like the 1950s, but I kind of kept getting it confused with Cinderella just a little bit. Cinderella came out before it, which was really surprising to me. Mhm. But you you got it confused with Cinderella? Yeah, I think because there's um that Amazon Prime movie with Cam- Camilla. How do you say her name? Camilla Cab- Cabello. Oh God, who knows or cares? I think it's Camilla Cabello. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a couple great songs that I really enjoy. Um, but I so I've been getting like ads for that forever, of course, because I'm always doing like fairy tale research and stuff, and it's just relevant mm-hmm. in my, you know, internet history. So I think I've just been getting it confused with that because I- Cinderella is just kind of on the brain. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe. Or maybe, I don't know, these princess stories just aren't usually my favorite, which is why I was so pleasantly surprised after reading a couple different versions. (laughs) 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 
well, so I'm, pleasantly surprised. I'm excited to hear what you bumped into because I was act I was disappointed upon reading the original Grimm's fairy tale. Oh, maybe you should so, have read the Charles Perrault version. That's what I I have a I have a funny feeling that Charles Perrault or whoever his informant was who mm-hmm. gave who told him that story that he collected, they yeah. deserve all the flowers for <laughs> taking what was a really nothing story and <laughs> improving it a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't. Okay. I'm excited to talk about this. I'm really stoked. We'll talk all about it. I'm really excited to get into it. But I first things first, Mm -hmm. just wanted to welcome everybody, all of our listeners to our one year anniversary celebration of fairy tale fix. It's been a bonkers year in so many ways, but it, but this was bonkers in a fun way. And we're, we had a great time. We've really enjoyed connecting with all of you. I think that's been one of the best parts of doing this podcast aside from like I get to see Kelsey uh all the time and we get to nerd out about fairy tales together that's obviously like my favorite part but also meeting a bunch of other people who also are really interested in these stories and the different variations and all of the ways in which they can be you know quote-unquote improved upon (laughs) (laughs) One hundred percent. It has been so much fun. It's kind of like just joining a big giant fairy tale book club. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we all kind of geek out on enjoying the same things. And luckily, most of our listeners, you know, I mean, I'm sure that's why there are listeners don't absolutely hate our fixes and love our, you know, love for villains. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, uh, we're just we were just really excited to find a, a community of people online who get us. Yes, definitely. And it's just been really lovely meeting you. Thank you to everybody who's like gotten in touch. It's been beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me that anybody listens at all. So Mm -hmm. why would you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, it's just two like white women giggling at fairy tales. Uh huh. (laughs) So. Thank you. We enjoy it. Um, I'm so glad that somebody else enjoys it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thanks to everybody who's reached out and definitely a huge thanks to our patrons. Yes. Thank you to everybody who's reached out to us and been a part of this community. And thanks especially to the people who are currently making making it possible for Kelsey and I to actually produce the show. And Dustin, mm-hmm. of course. Can't forget Dustin. You know what? Thanks especially to Dustin, first and Thank foremost, you, for, editing, uh, for editing our nonsense into something comprehensible. Our to king. Everyone else. <laughs> Dustin is our king. And we love yeah, you so much. This literally would not be happening without you. So mm-hmm. we absolutely love you and thank you so much. <laughs> but it also literally could not happen without our beautiful patrons, of which we have uh, a brand new one that we got this month. Thank you so much, Donna, for joining our Patreon community. Welcome. You are a beautiful soul, and we're really happy you're here. Uh, thanks also to Caroline, Jordan, Jeremy, Lisa, Madeline, Kaylee, Zach, Kelsey, Dami, Christopher, Jen, Julia, Noah, Ricky, Elizabeth, Cynthia, Bill, Angel, and again, Dustin. <laughs> Not only our editor and producer, he's also our first patron. <laughs> he's also our very first patron. And we appreciate all of you so much. Thank you so much. Um, if you'd like to join them in helping support the pod, uh, helping it make us possible to for us to do another year of this, then head on over to Fairy Tale Fix at Patreon. 
I think it's fairytalefix.cash yeah. is our URL. That's and cool. uh, go ahead and sign on. You get a one bonus episode a month at, uh, I think, the $6 level. And then the rewards just stack from there. At this point, we have nine bonus episodes for you mm-hmm. to catch up on. So if you if you need that fairy tale fix, if you need that. Fairy <laughs> you gotta tale get fix, that fix. You gotta get it <laughs> and give us that gold, baby. <laughs> so there are like nine extra episodes waiting for you if you go ahead and sign up at fairytalefix.cash, and we would uh, deeply, deeply appreciate it. Also, just sort of as a general thank you to our entire community, uh, not just our patreons. Kelsey, do you have do you have something you'd like to share? I do. I do have something I'd like to share. So (laughs) we're doing a really fun giveaway on Instagram. At this point, by the time this episode comes out, we should have posted it already. We have some really fun stuff that we're giving away. It's really easy. You just go on Instagram, like our page, You know, make sure that you follow us, tag a friend or two that you think would like the show, and that's it. And we will pick somebody by the end of the month, and you will get all this cool stuff, including one of our favorite books, A Book of Dragons by Ruth Mm -hmm. Manning Sanders, one of our fairy tale queens. Fairy tale queen. And we also have some other cool stuff in the giveaway. There's a, you know, smoky quartz crystal. There is a candle. There's like a dragon pendant. Thing. Go check it out. You can win very all of dragon that. themed. It's very dragon themed <laughs> because <laughs> dragons are awesome. So if yes. you're a boss ass dragon, go on Instagram and enter our giveaway. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh we now now that we've done that, we have a lot to talk about and we should we should get into it. Before before we super get into it, I did kind of want to reminisce over the oh, past okay, year yes. just a little bit. Do that. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, like, so what was your what's your what's been your favorite part about doing this so oh, far? Like, what's like the most memorable? What you actually came prepared for questions? You're amazing. <laughs> I I love you more and more every day Aww. that we do this show. Sorry, what was the question? Oh, <laughs> what was that question? Um, what's, what's been like your most favorite or memorable like moment during the podcast? Like what's been your favorite part? Or just something that sticks out? Because obviously it's all good. I think the moments that have really stuck out to me are the moments when you and I get surprised by a fairy tale. I think that what I've liked a lot is is finding a lot of fairy tales that we don't actually feel like we want to fix them that much. Mm-hmm. There's there's definitely been a few. Yeah. Last year, during our very first episode, when we recorded the Bluebeard episode, mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about how we didn't think that there were very many uh, perfect fairy tales that didn't need mm-hmm. fixing. And we've been sort of wrong yeah, as we've dug true. deeper into the stuff that's not popular and not and not mainstream like things you haven't seen in an animated film or just sort mm-hmm. of in the general like cultural waters uh, yeah the originals tend to be a lot more fun than we were thinking originally well not just the the originals of the ones that we already know but the ones that that you've never heard of i had mm-hmm. never read john and his brothers that's one of our Patreon episodes. I, I hate to say it, but a lot of our most memorable moments have actually been Patreon episodes. So I'm also try- like, we've had a lot of memorable <laughs> ones in our in our regular season as well. But I think that that fairy tale is like, how have I never heard this? This has everything yeah. I want in a fairy tale. And I don't actually want to fix much of it. 
Yeah, they're so good. I definitely, there's been a few, you know, and kind of popular ones that I had just never read before, but like Goose Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and even Buttercup. I mean, that was kind of just a short, silly one, but I love those stories. And I, it makes me wish that there were movies about those, like the lesser yeah. known or just less popular, I guess, mm-hmm. because they're still, they're so good. Or even Vasilis to the Beautiful. Like, why, why isn't that a movie? Oh, yeah. There's just so much opportunity. And, and yet they keep rehashing Cinderella over and over. <laughs> mm-hmm. Over and over and over when there are so many great, uh, fairy tales from all over the world that also mm-hmm. deserve that, that treatment. Yep. We should definitely get a Baba Yaga film. Oh, yeah. At some point. Definitely. And there are just so many, like, good Russian fairy tales mm-hmm. that I'm surprised that they haven't made anything out of it. It's just, it blows my mind because they're so good. Mm-hmm. They're so good. Oh, you know, oh, you know what? This, this was another highlight. You know, you know what story deserves its own movie that I, w- I would really love to watch this movie? The Deer and the Woodcutter. I would love a beautiful movie yes. of the rooster origin story. Oh my gosh, that would be so good. And think about how gorgeous it is because it's got it's also got everything you want. It's 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 just beautiful and it's in its descriptions of the different scenes in the movie. It has fairies, it has it has heavenly uh spaces. It's got a little mystery. It it's mm-hmm. just it's gorgeous. I loved I loved that story. And then it's got the fun ending where you find out that this is how the rooster uh-huh. came to be. And I think that that's I don't know. I I love it. Where's that movie? Or even the Demon King. The idea yes. that all these women kind of come together. Yes, at the end and the kind of Demon the origin King. of the water splashing festival. There's uh, so much. That's like be- just beautiful so imagery and mm-hmm. such a. It would be such a good villain to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a great villain to watch, and it's just, and if we're looking for a story for modern times, since you know we want more movies that encourage little girls to sort of band together mm-hmm. against their oppressors, uh, that that's a great that's a great one for that. That's a great story for that. Yeah, that'd also be really good. Let us know what your favorite fairy tale was that you heard from us, or just your favorite fairy tale at all. But like, if you had a favorite one, I'd love to know what it was. You can tweet at us at FairytaleFixPod or just message us on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. We'd love to hear from you and just kind of see what was your favorite story from the last year? Mm-hmm. Which one would you love to see most in a movie? Mm-hmm. Ooh, and how and then, would you cast it? <laughs> and how, ooh, and how would you cast it? Well, that's going to be one of my – that's one of my questions for you after we've done a couple like talking about Sleeping Beauty for a while is uh, how would you cast the live action? But, oh, my gosh. But we'll get there. I was trying to think about that last night, actually. I was I was genuinely like, how would I recast this? But how would I recast this? So I might have um, to chew on that a little. What was a what was a highlight? What was a highlight for you? What's something that really stuck out for you? So I think one of my favorite parts about our podcast has been when miscellaneous productions put on that event, Resurrecting Dead Fairy Tales with Jack Sipes. And he oh. did like a lecture about So basically about how fairy tales, you know, their historical and cultural importance. And I mean, it was really cool. And it was just kind of a 
last minute thing we that we decided to do. And it was really fun because yeah. we met on video chat and we actually ended up going to Discord and inviting a couple of other people that hang out on our Discord. And one of our patrons and good friends, Noah, showed up and it was just kind of a... Yes, that was so fun. Yeah, we got to meet Noah and we kind of got to hang out a little bit before the event started and then we watched it and we got to ask Jack Sipes like a couple of questions. And it was really cool. It was just... It was fun and it really felt like the it really brought like the community get the community together. Mm-hmm. It felt that that was the first time I really felt like it was like a big, you know, nerdy fairy tale book club because a bunch of people asked us questions about it afterwards and it was just really fun. Yeah. And we got to kind of we got to kind of keep it going. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool. It was also it was a really cool lecture that I also wouldn't necessarily have gone to. Yeah. If it wasn't for this pod if it wasn't for this podcast, like if we weren't doing mm-hmm. this. Yeah, um, definitely. I might have said like that sounds cool, but eh. I probably like, wouldn't have even heard about it if it mm-hmm. weren't for the podcast. In fact, I don't even remember how I saw it. I think I happened upon it on Instagram because it had the hashtag fairy tales or something. That's a good highlight. That was a good time. I just keep remembering more and more things from this past year that have just brought me that have just brought me a lot of joy. Yeah. And that's also a really good incentive, I think, to join our Discord. I really want to do more stuff like that where we can Mm kind of talk to people and have fun and, you know, meet people with the same interests. It's just really, really exciting. Yeah. We like, yeah, we have a couple of channels in uh, the Discord for Fantastic Worlds Productions that are just all fairy tale related. Uh, We have an actual book club now where mm-hmm. we mostly read no- we mostly read novels that are based in mythology and folklore. Uh, we did Gods of Jade and Shadow by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, and that's based on Mayan mythology, and it was an absolute wild ride. I loved this book, <laughs> uh, as did, I think, everybody who participated in our book club this month, yeah. and, and we just <laughs> do fun stuff. I was super busy this month, so I didn't, but I still plan on picking it up. I'm really excited. You should still give it a try. Yeah, especially after all the reviews. I'm like, okay, I got to pick up mm-hmm. this book. Yeah, this one this one was a favorite. So mm-hmm. you should read it anyway because it was fun. Oh, I, I for sure will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's also inspired me. Like I, I need to go out and I need to find some mythology, some Mayan mythology books. Oh, absolutely. Seeing about reading a few of them because it was just really, really fun. Like super mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, if you have any book recommendations, for sure let us know. Absolutely. Is the wonderful shirt still your favorite fairy tale of all time? That is a real that is a fantastic question and I think that the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it is still my favorite fairy tale. I think it's it's because of the boss ass dragon. Yeah in it and i think that it's because just my my just general appreciation for protagonists called ivan who get sort of <laughs> buffeted about by fate and they just kind of accept all of that pretty cheerfully and then he uh meets his ride or die girlfriend and oh, i yeah. just i just love that for him <laughs> let's kill them <laughs> let's kill them and he's like whoa <laughs> I love the Ivan verse. That has been I just one want of to my take my stuff part. back. <laughs> I just want to get my shirt. I just wanted to I get like, my shirt back. I like where your head's at. <laughs> but let's so back fun. up. But I've definitely found like new ones that I love, and I am dismayed to discover just how many horses are killed in <laughs> fairy tales. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it has 
been just jaw dropping. Mm-hmm. The all the horse violence, all the horse violence has truly been something else, like unwarranted horse violence. I don't understand mm-hmm. what Norwegians had against horses for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not all Norwegians, too. It's kind of like across mm-hmm. the cultures so far, at least the European cultures. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen a lot of horse violence in like the more like Asian countries or. No, not a lot of horses killed in those. Uh, I haven't come across any horse murder in my Brazilian folktales book, mm-hmm. for which I'm very grateful. It really seems to be Europe that has something <laughs> out <laughs> For too many horses. horses. They were just very expendable. Maybe. I thought that horses were like a sign of great wealth because <laughs> they're, they're damned expensive to keep. But, <laughs> but whatever. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, I keep thinking of more, of more highlights. Um, yeah, go for it. I'm actually getting a, a tattoo designed around toads and diamonds. Oh, awesome. Because I love hate that story. I, I think like I love it because I want to fix everything about it. I love it because <laughs> because it's so archetypical, archetypal of you know Western European fairy stories and the kinds of things that they're that they enforce, the kind mm-hmm. of behaviors that they reinforce, and and. And that, like you know, that if you're if you're kind and compliant and sweet and generous to strangers, especially if you're um, a, a femme presenting person, then then you will be. And I'm using air quotes here. Rewarded mm-hmm. with riches and with a king plucking you off the street and marrying you, <laughs> and that's your reward. And mm-hmm. then if you're in any way obstin- obstinate, if you ask any questions, if you're rude to a rich person, if you are just in, in any way unpleasant, then you are cursed with venomous creatures and sent off to the woods to die alone. Mm-hmm. And I hate all of that so much. <laughs> <laughs> Because because I think that like, you know, ideally, you're able to find sort of a balance of those things where like you where it's of course, it's good to be kind to strangers. Of course, it's good to be generous. Of course, it's good to be sweet and Mm -hmm. and helpful. You know, those are all good traits to have. But it's also important to stick up for yourself and not take anyone's shit and also realize that sometimes you don't have to you don't owe strangers kindness you don't owe strangers you don't owe strangers anything especially if they're making like unreasonable demands of you Mm -hmm. and and i i just i don't know i just feel like there's some there's a balance that needs to be struck there so i'm i'm having um i'm having uh i'm getting like a full sleeve fairy tale tattoo And part of the tattoo is going to be like a gemstone and a viper because, because both of those things are important. And both of those, both of those women were important and both of them, Mm -hmm. both of them, I think deserved better. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Her reward was not really a reward and (laughs) no. Yeah. No. (laughs) I I love the, I love all the fairy tales where it's like this poor abused woman has just like the worst life and as soon as a like man or prince or like anybody comes along she's just like yes i will go with you right now 
please take me away from here. But not because I, not because I have any reason to, to want to go with you specifically. It's mm-hmm. that anywhere has to be better than here. <laughs> <laughs> And yet that's so romanticized in these stories. Like that's, that's the best case scenario. That's the goal. Like (laughs) that's what you want. (laughs) You want, you want to, uh, you, you hope that somebody finds you in the woods and takes you out Mm -hmm. whether you really want it or not. (laughs) I guess we'll get into more as Mm -hmm. we get into sleeping beauty, but that, but I completely, uh, renege on all of my ideals when it comes to how much I love the Sleeping Beauty movie. <laughs> all <laughs> Leave of these ideals. Poor maidens that, in the woods alone. <laughs> ex- except don't if you're a handsome prince with a funny horse. I all of a sudden I toss all of that out the window. All of my morals, they're gone. I love that movie so much. <laughs> I definitely have some thoughts on that. I'm not sure when you want to talk about the Disney movie, but I definitely have thoughts on that. I guess. I'm sure both of us will have a lot of thoughts on it. The one that I'm starting off with is what I think is one of the oldest versions of the story. I don't think it's the oldest version of the story. I think I saw references to there being at least one version that's older than this one. Definitely. Yeah. Which I think you told me that you were going to tell me about later. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is, I think, the the one that is the most recognizable as the version that we know that we know today sort of in just our general western culture. Yeah, I think that's a perfect place to start. Yeah, so this is the Brothers Grimm version and the Brothers Grimm version is ta- is called Briar Rose. A king and a queen couldn't have children and they wanted very much to have one. Then one day while the queen was bathing, a crab crawled out of the water, came on shore and said, "Your wish will soon be filled and you will give birth to a daughter." Amazing. I love it already. I, it's a strong start. <laughs> Very strong start. <laughs> of well, there was a couple and they wished they could have kids, but they couldn't. But then they could because a crab told them so. <laughs> Again, I'm just imagining those being told by a drunk guy at a tavern, like a drunk old man. (laughs) And there was a crab that said you would have a child. I, for this story in particular, I see it. I see it as there. It, there's women weaving on a winter on a winter afternoon. Oh, they've okay. all gotten they've all gotten a little tipsy on <laughs> like mulled wine or whatever, and that uh, sounds delightful. They're just making up this story about a spindle. Indeed, this is what happened, and the king was so delighted by the birth of the princess that he organized a great feast and also invited the fairies who were living in his realm. Since he had only twelve golden plates, however, there was one fairy who had to be excluded, for there were thirteen in all. Mm, That's a lot more fairies than the Disney version. Yep, that's a lot more fairies than the Disney version. I, I love that they want to invite the fairies, though, because this is why people think fairies are good. <laughs> like, but at the same time, it's kind of a thin excuse of like, oh, well, we we only have twelve golden <laughs> plates, so the thir- the thirteenth fairy, the 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 mean one that nobody likes, um, she oh, can't yeah. come <laughs> because because of the plate issue. <laughs> nice. So the fairies come to the feast, and at the end of the celebration, they gave the child some gifts. 
One gave virtue, the second beauty, and the others gave every splendid thing that one could possibly wish for in the world. But just after the 11th fairy had announced her gift, the 13th appeared, and she was quite (gasps) angry that she had not been invited to the festivities. Yeah, agreed. Rude. Agreed. It was rude of them. Super rude. Especially since it's a plate thing. I mean, just give the kindest fairy, the most understanding fairy, a silver plate instead. A silver plate instead. Yes, exactly. And tell them that tell them they're special because of it. Oh, we got this one just for you. What's the big deal? Like, well, because I I do remember reading some analysis of Sleeping Mm -hmm. Beauty ones that actually like the wicked fairy in the story is one hundred percent justified in. The, in, well, not like, I mean, not justified in the sense that like killing babies is fine, but mm-hmm. but justified in the sense that like a christening feast for a royal child yeah. is not a private family event. It is the social event of the season. And yes. you have to you invite, invite everyone, everyone, even peasants. Yeah. Peasants are invited mm-hmm. like and then and, but especially any like any, you know, persons of note who live in your area. Mm-hmm. Um. And Which are we, the fairies are. <laughs> are we really to believe that a king and queen don't have more than 12 golden, golden plates? plates? <laughs> like, I don't believe on. that. So, come so, on. so it is, it was a slight. It was rude. It was, it's, mm-hmm. it was very rude, um, by the, by sort of the, the norms of the time. Uh huh. So, yeah, the fact that she shows up pretty pissed off is, um, kind of justified. Fair. Maybe her reaction isn't justified. No, I think she went a little overboard <laughs> on the punishment that she felt was suitable. That does sound slight. like a that does sound like a fairy though. So Yeah, that's what fairies do, which is why you err on the side of caution yeah. and you invite all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cuz fairies are like this. Anyway, so the 13th <laughs> the 13th fairy shows up. And she's pretty mad that she wasn't invited. Since you didn't ask me to this celebration, she cried out, I say to you that when your daughter turns 15, she will prick herself with a spindle and fall down dead. (gasps) That sucks. I know. (laughs) I know. The parents were horrified, but the 12th fairy hadn't made her wish yet. And she said, the girl will not die. She will fall into a deep sleep for 100 years. Nice save. <laughs> Good save. Also, very, I just imagine it like very Jedi mind trick, like that she just waves uh-huh. her hand and says, like, the girl will not die. <laughs> so in the Charles Perrault version, this is one of the things I wanted to bring up because there were more fairies than I thought there would be. Mm-hmm. In the Charles Perrault version, I love that. So there are seven fairies instead of 12. Oh, okay. Basically, one of the fairies realizes that this evil fairy is going to do something bad because she just shows up. Again, like, you know, mm-hmm. upset fairly that she wasn't invited, but she knows she's going to bestow upon her a gift. So she actually hides behind some curtains, like purposefully hides herself to wait for the evil fairy to like bestow upon her her evil gift. Ooh, because she knows that the evil fairy is going to make like a dramatic entrance because she wants to be last. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. So she like purposely like h- h- hides back and is waiting for the evil fairy and then comes out. And, you know, gives her the same, you know, that she'll sleep for 100 years and then a king's son will come to awaken her. But I I did want to talk about the other things 
that the fairies bestow upon her because I thought oh, this was yes. really interesting. Does, does so, Peralt list the, does Peralt list them all because yes. because of the Grimm's version? It's like they give her like beauty or whatever, and then the four and then the last fairy shows up and curses her. Yeah, no, they they go over each one, and I think they're really funny. Cool. Okay, go on. <laughs> and then I so the first one is beauty, which I feel like is really subjective and honestly pretty shallow. But it okay. specifically states that it was bestowed by the youngest fairy, so I feel like that explains it a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second fairy grants her temper of an angel, which I I Boo. feel like the angels. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like angels are notoriously Boo. warriors too, so I'm not really sure what that means. I'm assuming yeah. like. She's very patient. <laughs> I think. I think they. I think they mean the temperament of an angel in like. Yeah. In yeah, and and the angels are all like sweet cherub sense, and not mm-hmm. like the like wheels of fire, fire and brimstone yeah. angels. But but that made oh, me laugh. Boo, I hate that. You're not ne- like I. I give you this gift of you're never allowed to be mad. Uh huh. <laughs> Just wait. It gets. It gets worse. (laughs) The third gift is that she's graceful. All right. Like, nice. Okay. Fine. The fourth gift is that she can dance to perfection. (laughs) Does that not go with graceful? (laughs) I mean, yeah, that seems a little redundant. She can dance to perfection. (laughs) (laughs) The fifth gift is that she can sing well. Okay. She sings like a bird. Fine. And. The sixth gift is she can play every kind of music with the utmost skill. And I wrote in my notes, okay, I want this. That's a good gift. <laughs> I, wa- I want that. I actually like that. Mm-hmm. And then the spindle thing. And then the, instead of dying, she'll sleep 100 years and a king's son will come to awaken her. And I was thinking about what I would want fairies to bestow upon me. <laughs> oh, excellent. And, <laughs> and I wanted to you- ask you if you had seven <laughs> things. <laughs> because I feel like those seven things were stupid. <laughs> those seven things are awful and they also remind me i mean I, i'm sure that like when women cover cinderella we'll talk about ella enchanted i guess in a little oh, more yeah. detail but that does remind me of the beginning of <laughs> ella enchanted where she where she gets you know blessed with obedience and that's what that's what the temperament of the angel one of an angel and one reminds you're me you're just of. like no like i don't want any of that thanks fairies yeah. here's what i want so I'm going to say mine if you want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. You want to think about seven things. Like what would you want? Also, um, I'm just going to throw this out there to our listeners. What seven things would you want fairies to bestow upon you? Because I feel like the fairies in Sleeping Beauty just didn't get it right. It so the first not. thing, except the first thing I wrote is I want the music thing because I actually think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. The second, I want the confidence of a middle-aged white man. <laughs> The third, I would like the stamina of a zombie apocalypse survivor. Ooh, yes. I feel like that would be so useful. (laughs) The fourth one, so I had a really hard time. At first I wrote, you know, patience is a good thing to have. But then I was thinking about how, like, I'm older. And I would really just like a steel stomach (laughs) because my stomach hurts all the time. (laughs) So that's what I would like. (laughs) Great. Okay. Five, I want zero mental illness to deal with. That would be mm-hmm. wonderful if I just didn't have depression or anxiety. Six, that's a good one. I would like to breathe underwater because <laughs> I feel like that would be really useful and really cool. Oh man! All right. And seven, I thought about this for a long time. 
<laughs> like probably way too long. I also I like had a lot so of wine when I would di- when I was doing this. I want the ability to grant happiness or despair to others at my whim for fun. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Those are all way cooler. (laughs) So fairies, get it together. I don't want to be graceful. I don't want to dance. I I don't care about beauty. That's subjective. We're Mm -hmm. already both gorgeous. So come on. I mean, I didn't. (laughs) Neither of us needed any help in that department. So (laughs) those are all so fabulous. Um, I also thought about them for a long time. So (laughs) I, I too would like the gift of song. I think the gift of song is a is a solid present. Would like. I think the guarantee of a healthy 100 years. Oh, that's a great. I I would I would like to be relatively young for 100 years and then I can begin to age. I don't want immortality because I think that that gets messy and boring, mm-hmm. but yeah. I would like a nice long century of youth and beauty. Good good choice. I like Yeah, that. I think I think that one's a good choice. Um if we're allowed to request magic powers, I would like teleportation, please. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's better than breathing underwater. <laughs> no, breathing underwater is a solid choice. I like it a lot, but I um I would like to teleport. I feel like that would be more useful. I would so like to you? I would like to not have to breathe. Oh, at nice. all. So that I could <laughs> Uh, teleport myself to different planets and, you know, really, really see the universe. (laughs) Hey, maybe not be impacted by weather. Yeah, not be impacted. I mean, I I guess I'd also have to like become like radiation proof because that's why we're five. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, Abby wants to go into space with no problem. I just want to go to space. I I, I actually don't want anything else. Just want to go to space. <laughs> so that's five Solid. and then i think as my final gift wait you get seven so you have two more oh what do i get two more oh okay yeah, that's right you get seven because mm-hmm. okay. we're assuming that the evil fairy didn't show up to our party to oh our that's birth. good okay that, <laughs> that's good because i don't want my hundred years of youth and beauty to be sent to sleep mm-hmm. i want to be able to talk to animals <laughs> i feel like that's asking for trouble but I get it. I get it. I I mean, I have seen like all possible versions of Dr. Doolittle. So, <laughs> you know, fully, fully agree that it probably is asking for trouble. I, I don't know if anybody that listens to this watches Rick and Morty, but like <laughs> Morty gets this like thing that lets them hear animals talk to each other at least. Uh-huh. And it's really funny because the squirrels notice and like... <laughs> They're, they're like, okay, little boy, can you hear us? Can you hear us? <laughs> they, and then they like, I don't know, basically take over the world. And they have to move to a different dimension where their world wasn't uh, like taken over. I by love those episodes <laughs> where they have to just completely like that, where they just, they just fuck up. They destroy this, di- they destroy this reality and they just have to leave. But that, is, that is really how I imagine talking to animals, how that would go. Yeah. I'm going to amend my speak to animals one to speak any language. Oh, that's a really good idea. Including dog. I would like to be able to speak dog so that <laughs> okay. I could tell Obi to knock it the fuck off and he would understand me better. I actually think he understands me just fine. He just doesn't care. <laughs> nah, you know what? I think I'm just going to leave my relationship with Obi the way it is. I think I think he already understands me perfectly. He just doesn't want to listen, which is his right as an autonomous individual, I suppose. <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. I'm having such a hard time thinking of like a seventh thing. Oh, how about always having flawless hair? That is such a good one. <laughs> Every day is a good hair day. Because I was like, what? What's beauty related? Um, but but like not, but not like just kind of vaguely beauty. But yes, no. Um, and that I shall always have a good hair day. Mm, yeah. These are the things that I want. <laughs> if a fairy were to come to my birth and give me gifts. That was fun. Thank you for doing that with me. I know that was a really long tangent. We're only like two paragraphs into the story. That was a fun exercise. I liked that. <laughs> well, because we're doing two stories at once. We're doing the Grimm's version and the Peralt version and talking about how they differ. That's true. Yeah. And I just thought that those seven things, or no, I guess six things technically were just stupid. So yeah, no, none of those, none of those are good presents. I don't want mm. any of those, especially the temper one. Like, yeah, I, like I will angel. now dictate your personality mm-hmm. at birth and you're never allowed to be angry about anything ever. I hate Just, that. Come on. According to some folklorists, why there are 13 fairies and why one fairy is left out mm-hmm. in this story is that it indicates the replacement of the lunar year, which is 13 months by the solar year, which is 12. Cool. I like and it. If true, that is very cool. That is cool. Anyway, all of that happens. The Wicked Fairy curses the infant and the final 12th fairy finally says, like, the girl will not die. She will fall into a deep sleep for 100 years. She does mm-hmm. not mention anything about true love's kiss or a prince. She just says mm-hmm. she will fall asleep for 100 years. So the king still hoped to save his dear child and issued an order that all the spindles in his entire kingdom were to be banned. Meanwhile, the girl grew up and became marvelously beautiful, of course. Mm -hmm. And on the day she turned 15, the king and queen had gone out. (laughs) And she was left completely alone in the palace on this, her 15th birthday, which the wicked fairy said would be the day that she would prick her finger and die. But her parents decided that was a good day to go out, I guess. Wait, so did she specify that it would be on her 15th birthday in the story? Or did she say by the time she's 15? It says when she turns 15. So okay, I think that implies birthday. Yeah. I guess maybe they just like forgot. (laughs) 15 years is a long time. It is kind of Maybe they forgot the exact wording. So the king and queen went out and Briar Rose was left completely alone in the palace. So she wandered all over the place just as she pleased and eventually came to an old tower where she found a narrow staircase. Since she was curious, she climbed the stairs and came to a small door with a yellow key stuck in the lock. And when she turned it... (laughs) Um, That music from the Disney film gives me nightmares. (laughs) It's very creepy. It's so scary. It's fantastic. Since she was curious, she climbed the stairs and came to a small door with a yellow key stuck in the lock. And when she turned it, the door sprang open and she found herself in a little room where she saw an old woman spinning flax. She took a great liking to the old woman and joked with her and said she wanted to try spinning one time. So she took the spindle from the old woman's hand and no sooner did she touch it than she pricked herself and fell down into a deep sleep. (gasps) Oh, no. And then that old woman feels terrible for the rest of her life. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. You killed the princess. Like, oh, my God, I killed the princess. (laughs) (laughs) 
Just at that moment, the king returned to the palace with his entire courtly retinue, and everybody and everything began to fall asleep. The horses in the stable, the pigeons on the roof, the dogs in the courtyard, and the flies on the wall. Even the fire flickering in the hearth became quiet and fell asleep. The roast stopped sizzling, and the cook, who was just about to pull the kitchen boy's hair, let him go. And the maid, who was plucking the feathers of a hen, let it drop and fell asleep. A hedge of thorns sprouted around the entire castle and grew higher and higher until it was impossible to see the castle anymore. Hmm. There were princes who heard about the beautiful Briar Rose, and they came and wanted to rescue her, but they couldn't penetrate the hedge. It was as though the thorns clung tightly together like hands, and the princes got stuck there and died miserable deaths. Oh, jeez. I know. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Stupid prince. Fools. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> Idiots. Goddamn. Wait, hold on, wait. Go on. You're a disgrace to the... F- you're a disgrace to the forces of evil. <laughs> That's the best line. Oh I swear gosh. to God, because they took a fairy tale, which is which is like I don't know. In the Grimm's version, is kind of like yeah, whatever. That it's a it's a typical fairy tale, and they made it fucking iconic uh-huh. <laughs> because they made Maleficent, who is everything. <laughs> yep, they really nailed it with that one. She just nails the melodrama. <laughs> Oh, just grace to the forces of evil. So mm-hmm. funny. Anyway. So good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're we're with the we're with the princes. They're trying to get through the hedge. They die mm-hmm. miserable deaths in there because they can't. And all of this continued for many, many years until one day a prince came riding through the country and an old man told him that people believed that a castle was standing behind the hedge of thorns and that a gorgeous princess was sleeping inside with her entire royal household. Dude, that would be such a dope legend to hear. Like, yeah, like some like just a legend that there's this like thorny brambly forest and somebody's like yeah there's a castle in there like there's a castle in there i know like i do think that 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 that's that is really cool that mm-hmm. um to be told that story and to imagine that story especially to a young prince with a sword mm-hmm. <laughs> i want to go <laughs> off and die in the hedge <laughs> so his grandfather had told him that many princes had come and had wanted to get through the hedge however they got stuck in the thorns and had died That doesn't scare me, says the prince. I'm going to make my way through the hedge and rescue the beautiful princess. Mm -hmm. Huzzah. (laughs) So off he goes. And when he came to the hedge of thorns, there was nothing but flowers that separated and made a path for him. And as he Uh, went through them, the flowers turned back into thorns. He's special. He's a special boy. He's Mm -hmm. the right one. (laughs) Let the right one in. (laughs) Let the right one in, thorn hedge. (laughs) After he reached the castle, the horses were lying asleep in the courtyard, and there was an assortment of hunting dogs. The pigeons were perched on the roof and had tucked their heads beneath their wings. When he entered the palace, the flies were sleeping, as was the fire in the kitchen, along with the cook and the maid. The prince continued walking, and he saw the entire royal household with the king and queen lying asleep. Everything was so quiet that he could hear himself breathing. Finally, he came to the old tower where Briar Rose was lying asleep. The prince was so astounded by her beauty that, of course, he leaned over and kissed her. Boo! Boo! (laughs) She's sleeping, bro. (laughs) 
<laughs> Leave her alone. <laughs> no, shake her shoulder a little. Damn. Yeah, geez. Make a loud noise. Bang some pots together. And then shoot your shot. <laughs> then shoot your shot after she's awake. <laughs> Immediately after the kiss, she woke up and the king and queen and the entire royal household and the horses and the dogs and the pigeons on the roof and the flies on the walls and the fire woke up. Indeed, the fire flared up and cooked the meat until it began to sizzle again, and the cook gave the kitchen boy a box on the ear while the maid finished plucking the chicken. Then the wedding of the prince with Briar Rose was celebrated in great splendor, and they lived happily to the end of their days. The end. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So how different is that from the Peralt version? So, I mean, it's pretty much the same, except the story continues. It does? In the Peralt version, yes. And this is what makes me think that it was told by a drunken old man, <laughs> is the last half of the story. But I do- The last I did, half of the story? <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit more. So I might just read the rest to you. Just read, um, yeah, tell me the rest of the story because they cut it short. Yeah, I think there are different versions of this. So I found the Charles Peralt version by our good friends at Pittsburgh University at pit.edu, and mm-hmm. we will put that in our show notes. Pittsburgh's really nailing it with having the fairy tale catalog available yeah. for free online. That's by the cool. way. So huge shout out to the University of Pittsburgh. Thank you. So just a couple highlighted things that in the story that you just told that are a little bit different that I really really liked. When the accident happens to the princess, you know, she finds a woman spinning and she asks if she wants to do it or if she could do it because it looks like so much fun and she gets pricked, you know. So after that happens to the princess, the good fairy who that had saved her life by condemning her to 100 years of sleep in the kingdom was 12,000 leagues away and she was instantly warned of it. However, by a little dwarf who had a pair of seven league boots which are boots that enable one to cover seven leagues at a single step. That is so cool. Which sounds adorable. I'm imagining a dwarf Mm -hmm. traveling seven leagues because of (laughs) magic boots. (laughs) And the fairy set off at once. Within an hour, her chariot of fire, drawn by dragons, was seen approaching. (laughs) Which sounds awesome. So So she like comes and she's the one who makes everyone else sleep. So it doesn't that just happen automatically. Makes she, so she much sees, more sense. Yeah, she sees what happens and she's like, oh, sleeping, you know, or I guess Briar Rose is asleep and she makes everyone else fall asleep too. That Because like that is one thing with the Grimm's version. One of the reasons why I think mm-hmm. it's kind of nothing is yeah. that like there are so many plot holes that get that get plugged in mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, by the Peralt version. Yeah, you continue. they definitely do. So she sa- she makes everyone else fall asleep because she's worried that she'll be really scared if she wakes up alone. She doesn't make Aww. the king and queen fall asleep. They actually leave and live out their lives somewhere else, which I think is oh. interesting because I imagine most parents would, I mean, if they could choose to fall asleep until their daughter wakes up, probably would. Absolutely. it's like you're asleep, so. But maybe there needs to be someone to like lead the kingdom. You know, I don't know. Their kingdom's covered in thorns now, so I don't. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I don't really know, but I also really love this really cute part that says, "And little Puff, the pet dog of the princess, who is <gasps> lying on the bed beside his mistress." Oh my god! <laughs> Which I want to know why that isn't in That's any artwork so or any. <laughs> yeah. Puff. 
Sweet Briar Rose's little she dog. She keeps her dog. <laughs> Isn't that so cute? Oh, that's adorable. And it says how the king and the queen kissed their dear child without waking her and left the castle forever, which I feel like is really sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very sad. So basically the same thing happens except it doesn't say how like princes die in the story. Um, it's basically like it just kind of becomes an urban legend. Some people say that an ogre lives in the castle and people just kind of avoid that area altogether. Mm. Mm-hmm. But a prince okay. was wondering – so he, a prince has heard all, all these, like, stories about this, you know, supposed castle. And a peasant, an old peasant comes to him and tells him, Your Highness, more than 50 years ago I heard my father say that this castle lies a princess, the most beautiful that has ever been seen. And it is her doom to sleep there for 100 years and then to be awakened by a king's son for whose coming she waits. 50 years in, huh? F- like 50 years ago his father told him this story. Oh, so maybe and maybe now it's been like another 50 and, years. Yeah, and this peasant's okay. like an old man. Gotcha. Okay. So the prince gets like super fired up and excited and he, you know, goes in and saves the princess or whatever. Or rather, he doesn't save the princess. So he it's actually just the time she's supposed to wake up and he just kind of arrives and he doesn't actually kiss her. Yay! <laughs> so it says... Um, That's so much Trump- less creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he basically just kind of shows up and he's like, like looking at her in awe and of her beauty, and then she wakes up. Mm-hmm. Um, so trembling okay. in his admiration, he drew near and went on his knees beside her. At the same moment, the hour of disenchantment having come, the princess awoke and bestowed upon him a look more tender than a first glance might seem to warrant. So, and Aww. she she says, "Is it you, dear prince? You have been Aww. long in coming." So it's like it seems a lot more romantic because she just wakes up and she's really excited to see. And she's him. excited to see him. Like that's great. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, she was cursed to always be happy. Mm-hmm. When the fairy grants her sleeping 100 years, it doesn't say this, but she is supposed to be, like, dreaming pleasant dreams. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. Kind of an unspoken thing. That fairy godmother, like, was really, really came in clutch. Oh, absolutely. Like, really looking after her. Really nailed it. Yeah. So, basically, you know... The prince is super excited. They get married. They have kids. But he doesn't actually tell his parents. So he doesn't tell the king and the queen about this. And this is where the story gets really random. (laughs) So I'm going to continue the story because the Charles Perrault version continues quite a bit after the Brothers Grimm version ends. Wow. You think you know what Sleeping Beauty (laughs) is about. And then... Yeah, and then you go and it (laughs) blows your mind and you're like, oh, so this is still a what the fuck fairy tale. I love it. I'm so excited. Tell me. (laughs) Tell me the rest of the story. (laughs) So Sleeping Beauty wakes up. Is it you, dear prince? You have been long in coming. Charmed by these words and especially by the manner in which they were said, the prince scarcely knew how to express his delight and gratification and he declared that he loved her better than he loved himself. And his words were faltering, but they pleased the more for that. The less there is of eloquence, the more there is of love. So it's oh, just, it's sweet. really romantic. That's so cute. So a lot of times when you think Sleeping Beauty, I always thought this part would be like really weird. Like he's gonna like sexually harass her while she's sleeping or yeah. assault her while she's sleeping. And that's just not the case in this story. It's really romantic and actually gives me the feels a little bit. I love that so much for them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's great. One thing I really love about this version also is that I love the idea of it's a hundred years later 
you're in a castle or you're in a town basically where mm-hmm. everyone's asleep and everything's a hundred years old. So it's really interesting when the princess awakens, the prince had to refrain her from telling her that her clothes with a straight collar, which she wore were like those of which his grandmother had been accustomed. So, <laughs> but it doesn't detract from her beauty, but he still notices that her clothes are really old. Like it's so interesting. Really like, out of date. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine like waking up a hundred years and how things are different just in fashion and probably, you know, like food style and just, I mean, like probably what they're cooking in the castle. I don't know any of the slang anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Which changes from like decade to decade. So it's probably Uh really different a hundred years in the future. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. But I like that he's like, I won't mention to her that she's really out of fashion at this point. (laughs) So basically, I think that kind of gets to him a little bit. He just notices how all of these things have been sitting here for just 100 years, which is really Mm -hmm. interesting, I thought. Usually fairy tale characters don't notice things. Yeah, exactly. They don't really talk about that. But Charles Perrault goes kind of into detail in it. I'm excited. That's great. So the prince returns to the city and tells his father... Who was waiting with him, who was waiting for him with some anxiety that he had lost himself while hunting in the forest, but he obtains some black bread and cheese from a charcoal burner whose hovel he had passed in the night. So basically he goes back home, but he doesn't really tell his parents what happened. He he tells them like a different story. He lies, and his father believes him, but his mother doesn't. And she notices that her son starts going out to hunt every day. Huh. And he always <laughs> seems to have an excuse um, when he sleeps away from home for two or three nights. He's just going to visit his girlfriend. Going to visit his girlfriend. That's interesting and- that he leaves her alone and doesn't like marry her immediately. Yeah. it. You know, I think he does marry her immediately. So two two whole years pass. Oh, okay. Since the marriage of the prince and the princess. Okay. So maybe like they got married in the castle since like all of her attendants were also put to mm-hmm. sleep. So she's so she's just basically living in her town. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't tell his parents, which I thought was really weird. That is weird. Why wouldn't he tell them? Is he betrothed to someone you're, else? You're gonna find out and you're I'm gonna so love excited. it. Okay. So So like I said, two whole years pass after the marriage of the prince and the princess. And during that time, they have two children. Uh The first, a daughter called Dawn. And while the second, a boy was called Day because he seems even more beautiful than his sister. (laughs) (laughs) Which cracks me up. Dawn and Day. Mm -hmm. Cute. So his mom, the queen, keeps telling her son that he needs to settle down in life, and she tried to make him confide in her, but he didn't dare trust her with a secret. Despite the affection which he bore for her, he was afraid of his mother, for she came for she came of a race of ogres, and the king had only married her for wealth. <gasps> the tea! It's so hot! <laughs> She's a fucking ogre. She's an ogress. I love it. It's so good. So he is genuinely worried for his children's safety because apparently his mom is a literal ogress. She has ogrish instincts and would eat his kids. Yeah, she has difficulty and she has to like keep to herself from pouncing on children. So that's why he doesn't tell his mom. And I love that this is Did just he like- have to be raised by like a nurse far away from her because she would have eaten <laughs> him. Like- so that makes him part ogre too. It which does, I, which is so interesting. I have questions. I mean, oh my God, where is the novelization? I mean, I know that there is a very boring novelization by Robin McKinley, but I don't oh. think they covered this. <laughs> 
<laughs> but this is my favorite. I love it so much. This is where the like drunk man in the tavern. Oh, and he didn't tell his mom because she was an ogre. Because she was an ogre. <laughs> A couple of years later, the king dies, and the prince found himself on the throne. So he ended up making a public announcement of his marriage, and you know had to he had to come clean essentially. Mm -hmm. So I've actually been married for like a few years (laughs) and have a couple of kids already. Surprise! Surprise! (laughs) The queen, obviously, you know she is not a fan. She doesn't. She, you know, I think she's also just upset that her son lied to her for. How many years? Like, <laughs> I guess at this point, it's got to be like four four years. It has to have been at least four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Dowager Queen, not not thrilled. She's pissed. And she also doesn't like children. So an she, she's an ogress. It's so, so good. Cool. <laughs> so she goes to the chief steward and tells him, for my dinner tomorrow, I will eat little Dawn. And the steward <gasps> obviously is horrified. But the she's really going to eat the kids. <laughs> She's pissed. And she loves children. <laughs> She's going to eat the kids. <laughs> she loves to eat children. So she says, that is my will. And she spoke in the tones of an ogre who longs for raw meat. And she says, oh, you will serve her, okay. but with piquant sauce. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so the poor man, seeing plainly that it was useless to trifle with an ogress. It's his- useless to refuse <laughs> to serve her her own grandchildren. <laughs> He goes up into Dawn's chamber, and at that time, she was four years old. So, okay, yeah. Four years later. Well, five years later. And this is so sad. And when she saw him, she came running with a a smile to greet him, flinging her arms around his neck, coaxing him to give her some sweets. And he burst into tears and let the knife fall from his hands. Oh, good. I was like, why do they always (laughs) got to kill? They always got to kill the girl children. Like, (laughs) Yep. So he doesn't. Instead, he slaughters a young lamb. And for this, he made a sauce so delicious that his mistress declared she had never eaten anything so good. What do they do with Dawn? So basically, the chef like hides her okay, like right. in his quarters or something. Okay. Man, the princess really is not a character <laughs> in this story, is she? <laughs> not really. Okay. At the same time, the steward carried little Dawn to his wife and bade the latter hide her in the quarters for which she had below the yard. Okay. So he's hiding Dawn. And then eight days later, the wicked queen summoned her steward again and says, for my supper, I will eat little day. (laughs) And the steward made no answer, being determined to trick her as he had done previously. And he went in search of little day, whom he found with a tiny foil in his hand, making brave passes, all like he has like a little fake sword. Like a little sword. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a little dueling sword. And he was only three years old. So he carries him to his wife, who stowed him away, hiding with little Dawn. And to the ogress, he served up, in place of day, a young kid so tender that she found it surpassingly delicious. So he's totally tricking her, and everything's going really well. I think the steward's probably feeling pretty proud of himself. Good job. Tricking the queen. (laughs) But this time, she says, I have a mind to eat the queen with the same sauce as you served with her little children. (laughs) Go kill the queen for me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no wonder her son was hiding his wife and his kids for so long. (laughs) I wonder why he didn't want to tell, like, the ultimate toxic parent about (laughs) his wife and children. This this is why family estrangement is okay sometimes. For sure. This time, the steward is really scared that he's not going to be able to deceive her again. 
And the young queen was 20 years old without counting the 100 years she'd been asleep. And her skin, the white and beautiful, had become a little tough. And he was having trouble <laughs> like deciding what animal that he could cook instead of her. <laughs> so he's trying to think of ways to deceive her. She's a little tough at the ripe old age of 20. <laughs> I guess technically 120. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know. <laughs> so he thinks he's going to have to actually kill the queen. And he goes upstairs to do it. Goading himself into a rage, he drew his knife and entered the young queen's chamber. But a reluctance to give her no moment of grace made him repeat respectfully the command which he had received the, from the queen mother. Hello, I am here to kill you and serve you to your <laughs> mother-in-law for dinner. <laughs> and she's fucking awesome. She is so scared for him. So she yells, do it, do it. And she bears her neck to him. Carry out the order you've been given. And then once more, I, saw, I shall see my children, my poor children that I love so much. Because she has to have been wondering where her kids were for the past like couple of weeks. Yep. So he comes clean and says that they have been hiding with his wife and that they're not dead. And she is so excited about that. And he, you know, is overcome with passion. So he says, you shall not die, but you shall certainly see your children again. And that will be in my quarters where I've hidden them. He takes her there and she embraces and weeps over her children. And the cook proceeds to cook a hind with such an art that the queen mother ate it for her supper with as much appetite as if it had been the young queen. So once again, he tricks her. And the queen mother felt well satisfied with her cruel deeds and planned to tell the king on his return that savage wolves had devoured his consort and his children. And it was her habit, however, to often prowl about the courts and the alleys of the mansions in hopes of scenting raw meat. <laughs> and one evening she heard the little boy Day crying in a basement cellar and the child was weeping because his mother had threatened to whip him for some naughtiness. So... <laughs> Jigs up, she realizes that Dawn and Day and the young queen are all still alive. The queen is absolutely enraged that she had been tricked. So the next morning, in tones so frightening that all trembled, she ordered a huge vat to be brought to the middle of the courtyard. And this she filled with vipers and toads, with uh. snakes and serpents of every kind, intending to cast into it the queen and her children and the steward with his wife and serving girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All aboard the murder train. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she big pissed. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. She has just terrible plans. She brings all of them forward with her hands tied behind their backs. And there they were. And her minions were making ready to cast them into the vat. When who else but the king rides into the courtyard? <laughs> And no one had expected him so soon, but he traveled post-haste and filled with amazement at the sight. He demanded to know what this horrible spectacle meant, and none dared tell him. And at that moment, the ogre Your mom is a monster. <laughs> literally. <laughs> She's literally a monster. You should not have... You knew that she <laughs> likes eating kids, too. You should not have left her unsupervised around your children. Mm -mm. Never leave known predators <laughs> alone with your kids. <laughs> you had it right the first time, my guy. <laughs> yes, Just you should have kept them in separate castles miles apart. Mm-hmm. 
So he's demanding to know what the fuck is going on and Uh nobody tells him because they're all super, super scared of the ogress. The ogress, enraged at what confronted her, threw herself head foremost into the vat and was devoured on the instant by the hideous (sighs) creatures which she had placed in it. Good. And the king could not be sorry, for after all, she was his mother. But it was not long before he found ample consolation in his beautiful wife and children. The end. The end. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wow, there's a second half of Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. And it's that's why it makes me think of just this old drunk man. And there was an ogre and and she wanted to eat. Like it's it's like totally different story. (laughs) That's a totally like that is that is such a that is a hell of a part two. (laughs) (laughs) Why wasn't that in the Disney movie? Why wasn't that the Disney movie? You know, if you think about it, you never meet Prince Philip's mother. You only see you his don't. Father. That's true. So someone needs to make the sequel. Mm-hmm. Maybe okay. not Disney. <laughs> there is also like a poem that says "moral" at the end. I don't, and it rhymes in moral. English, so I don't know if this is from Charles Perrault, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. Okay, all right. Many a girl has waited long for a husband brave or strong. But I'm sure I never met any sort of woman yet who would wait a hundred years, free from fretting, free from fears. Now our story seems to show that a century or so, late or early, matters not. True love comes by fairy lot. Some old folk will even say it grows better by delay. Yet this good advice, I fear, helps us neither there nor here. Though philosophers may prate how much wiser tis to wait, maidens will be a sighing still, Young blood must when young blood will. Wow, I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) I hate hate everything about that. Is that medieval abstinence only? Like teaching? I don't know. I think it's so funny. (laughs) Old folks say it grows better by delay. (laughs) They're like, yeah, but that doesn't help. But those silly girls will sigh about boys anyway. Yeah. When honestly, it'd be better if they just like waited a hot, like some some girl's dad wrote that. I don't know. I just thought that was really funny. It made me laugh. I also hated it. Very okay, much. That's so much. <laughs> that has very, you're not allowed to date energy. Mm-hmm. Or like marry as soon as you can right now. Right now. <laughs> oh, what don't I want to fix about that story? <laughs> I like it so much better with the second half. <laughs> Me too. I'm not going to lie. I was laughing so hard when I read that. That is really what I wanted. Yeah, that <laughs> is that so much more fun than the Grimm's version. Not only just because it's just more detailed in every mm-hmm. way, um, but also there's a whole there's a whole second half of that story. But man, I've got some opinions about the way it took place. I mean, we already discussed the gifts were crap. Yeah. Change the gifts. Those sucked. They were sexist and just very they, old fashioned and yeah. And controlling mm-hmm, yeah. of the kind of person the fairies thought she should be. Mm-hmm. Hated that. Hated that the king moved his wife and children in with his like child predator mom. Mm-hmm. And then like left. <laughs> no. I-, I love that his mother wasn't ogress yes just and we didn't find out about this until later yeah 
until the story like like well that what's important so yes just so you know she's an ogress and she does like eating kids that was really interesting that was like that was wild i love that he doesn't kiss her mm-hmm. to wake her up he's just kind of there and she wakes yeah. up because he's there like his presence i think so i also wonder because was it the hundred years thing or was it a combination i think it was just like that was just the entire destiny. Mm-hmm. Like that was the prophecy that yeah. the fairy made. And so he showed up. It's been a hundred years and it just kind of worked out. Worked out. Okay. Wow. Almost. And then she almost got killed. But that was a that was an entirely different story. You think you know the story. And then that. That's great. So there is another version called the Sun, Moon, and Talia. And basically, it's a really old version. I just kind of found this on Wikipedia. I'm not going to go over the whole thing. Um, Trigger warning. This is the darkest version I've read for sure. Because it's the oldest, I bet. (laughs) I also want to thank other podcasts that have covered Sleeping Beauty and have mentioned this. So another great podcast, if you want to learn more about Sleeping Beauty and the history, is The Damsel Dialogues. They're great. They go over all of the history of Sleeping Beauty in a lot of detail. um, Mm -hmm. And they do a really great job. And I know the fairy tellers also have a Sleeping Beauty episode. I started to listen to it and I absolutely loved it, but I was worried that I would end up copying some of the things they would say. And I didn't want to ruin the grim version for myself. So I kind of stopped myself, but definitely check them out. Um, that's the Damsel Dialogues and the Fairy Tellers. They're another fairy tale style podcast that are mm-hmm. just fantastic. I love them. And they them. tend to go into like a little bit more of like a of an analytic of like an actual like analysis of the of the story yes. itself. So Yeah, more more analytical and more history. So definitely check them out. So this version, the Simon and Talia, uh, again, trigger warning, sexual assault. Gotcha. Okay. So basically in Sun, Moon and Talia, the Sleeping Beauty is named Talia. And in this story, instead of pricking her finger on a spindle, she gets a a flaxseed stuck under her fingernail, and that puts her to sleep. Okay. And in this deep sleep, basically another king who is already married finds her in the woods, and she's so beautiful that he decides – I love how Wikipedia puts this – and gathers the first fruits of love, (laughs) which when you click on it, takes you to a link – for rape. Yep. <laughs> so, okay. I love Wikipedia. For, I love that. Thank you for the extremely gentle euphemism for uh-huh. assaulting a sleeping woman. Yeah. He finds Tali alive but unconscious and gathers the first fruits of love. Ew. So basically, he rapes her. He leaves. He goes back to his kingdom and forgets about her. And turns sure. out Talia who, who, gets. Who would remember? Yeah, eh, you know, whatever. It's an it's an everyday occurrence for that guy, probably. <laughs> Talia ends up pregnant with twins, mm-hmm. and she gives birth to twins. And when they're trying to suckle her, they they end up suckling her fingers, and one of them actually suckles the flaxseed out from under her oh, fingernail. Oh, okay. So she wakes up, and she suddenly has two kids. Yes. So she wakes up, realizes she has kids. I mean, I guess she goes and like kind of does her thing. And the king comes back and tells her what happened. And they fall in love. Mm, do they? <laughs> because, of course. <laughs> even though he has another queen already. Uh, this just keeps getting worse. Yes. <laughs> so fucked up. 
So basically, the king's acting really shady, and his worst wife hears him saying, Talia, sun, and moon in his sleep. And she's really suspicious, and she bribes the king's secretary to kind of tell her what's going on. And after the queen learns the truth, then the Charles Perrault version kind of comes in again, where she basically wants to see. So she basically, as the king, quote unquote, writes to Talia and says she wants to see his children. Uh Uh-huh. And she says she wants to eat the children. And, you know, the chef does the same thing where he tricks her and makes, makes up a lamb instead of the kids. And the queen is totally satisfied in feeding the king what he thinks is his children. Or what so she he thinks, thinks is like, she tells them, she tells him that these are his kids and she's feeding them to him or? She doesn't tell him at first. And he mentions how good his meal is. And she says, eat, eat. You are eating your own. And I don't know if he gets it. Wow. Everyone in the story is awful. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he just thinks she's being weird. And then later the queen invites Talia to the kingdom. And is planning on burning her alive. But the king finds out her plan and finds out what's going on with his children and everything. And then orders that his wife be burned along with those who betrayed him. And that's kind of where the story ends. And the the king and Talia live happily ever after. Great. <laughs> oh. Basically, I see a lot of similarities in like the Charles Perrault version at the end with that. Yeah. You can kind of see where he got the ogress part Mm -hmm. of the story. I guess the Grimm's, I guess the Brothers Grimm just decided to like just chop. (laughs) (laughs) Or or, or perhaps Perrault kind of combined the Brothers Grimm story with this story. Mm -hmm. He, He took, he took the bits that he liked. Uh, yeah. from both those stories and and did a remix. Yep. A pretty fantastic remix. Agreed. Yeah, this the first two stories. This first one is just horrifying. What uh is it from is it from like the same region? Gian Battista Basile, who is nice. an Italian poet from the 15 and 1600s. I hate him. I hope that he stubbed his toe a lot. <laughs> <laughs> for for writing that story, <laughs> it's fucked up. Just wherever horrifying. wherever he is now, I hope it's I hope it's uncomfortable. Gathers the first fruits of nope. love. I just <laughs> I hate that you and I were booing a kiss. Yeah, <laughs> which I guess doesn't seem that bad by comparison anymore. Yeah, like, it is absolutely horrifying. Whew. Or worse. Yeah. And if you want, if you do want to hear that story told a little bit more in depth, definitely check out the damsel dialogues because I think they did a really great job. Cool. I don't need to hear it told in more depth, but good for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That story fucking sucked, but Charles Perrault really nailed it. Yeah. Charles Perrault uh, had the superior remix of that the story. Superior remix. Um, <laughs> I, you know, actually. So maybe we can talk about my favorite version. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Please erase Sun, Moon, and Talia from my like immediate thoughts. So Abby and I decided to watch The Curse of Sleeping Beauty together. (laughs) Never mind. This was the superior. (laughs) We watched it together. It has a rating on International Movie Database of like 4.3 out of 10. Which it deserves. (laughs) And on Rotten Tomato, it has literally one star. 
It was slightly better than one star. Like this, this, so Kelsey and I were researching <laughs> different versions of Sleeping Beauty, like different yeah. adaptations, different retellings. And we, we didn't want to do like only the Disney related stuff. So we, we ended up deciding to watch, uh, this movie, The Curse of Sleeping Beauty, which it is a 2016 film. Mm-hmm. And we watched it on Amazon, even though. We don't like Amazon. You can also watch it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can you can YouTube it. Uh, it was a like if you go in to watching this movie with zero expectations, the way we did, like we thought it was going to be <laughs> awful. Um, yeah. It was actually like a pleasantly surprising, fun take on yeah. the Sleeping Beauty story. I almost I almost don't want to talk about it too much spoil it too much yeah basically we went in with zero expectations so we were talking the whole time Uh (laughs) uh-huh and had a lot of fun with it and it's kind of like a modern retelling it's like uh, sleeping beauty is still asleep in modern times Mm -hmm. and there's a man who's like desperately connected to her i i they never explicitly said this in the movie but i assume that he was part of like the prince family who was supposed to wake her up Mm-hmm. And he's basically just so connected to her and he's like being drawn to her in dreams and things like that. Yeah, she's she's haunting his dreams and trying to guide him to towards where he can wake her up. It's absolutely beautiful. Like the cinematography is gorgeous and the outfits. The outfits are good. The effects are surprisingly good for such a low budget movie. Mm-hmm. Cuz this is a very indie horror adventure. The film feels like a fairy tale as reimagined by the staff of your local Hot Topic. Yes, it's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> and it was a good time. I, I guess like my only expectation setting for that one, though, is that like and, and a disclaimer, I suppose, is there is a lot of like very culturally appropriative mishmashing oh, yeah. of Jewish and Islamic mythology. Mm-hmm. Smashed in there alongside the Sleeping Beauty retelling, which was weird and interesting. Super uh, weird. Super weird, but everybody in that movie is super hot. It's surprisingly fun to watch. Gorgeous. And- like I like everyone in that movie was just hot. Mm-hmm. Super it was hot. Distracting. <laughs> a little distracting. <laughs> it was a little distracting. They do some interesting <laughs> stuff with like mannequins. Yep. That is super creepy and really fun, and uh, I recommend it, actually. We thought it was really fun, but we were talking about how bad it was. And it's one of those movies that, like, the more I think about it, the more I love it. And that is my Mm -hmm. actual fix for Sleeping Beauty. (laughs) Like, I love that twist so much. I love their spin on it that Mm -hmm. that is how I would fix Sleeping Beauty. So I guess you have to watch it. Yeah. Because I don't want to spoil it. So you have to watch it to find out my fix. <laughs> I kind of want to spoil it. <laughs> I do too. Should we just spoil it? Fast forward the next like couple minutes if uh, you don't want to know the ending and you plan on watching the movie. But essentially, uh, Sleeping Beauty is actually like an ancient demon and his bloodline has been tasked <laughs> with keeping this demon asleep so that it can't destroy the world. And this mm-hmm. beautiful idiot man uh <laughs> battles the wicked fairy with his beautiful idiot friends. Yeah, and the wicked fairy turns out to be someone who's been trying to essentially stop the apocalypse uh-huh. from happening. 
<laughs> and then they bring it about because he goes and he kisses Sleeping Beauty. He wakes her up. She's like, thanks, babe. And then she kills him, kills all his uh-huh. friends, and then like proceeds to destroy the world. And it is so <laughs> great. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. It's like the perfect fairy tale twist. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, the I feel like the modern setting was a little strange. But damn, it was so good. Like, I love that. I love that take. <laughs> it was a gr- yeah, I thought that was a great take on Sleeping Beauty. So, um that was that was a that was a fun one. I really wanted to give a shout out to our good friend Nick or Gemini underscore artist 2000.nick on Instagram for sending us like a ton of Sleeping Beauty stuff that I watched over the weekend. It was really fun. Um, so he sent like a 1990 Japanese stop motion. I think that was just called Sleeping Beauty, but it was really cool. It was from the 70s mm-hmm. and it was absolutely going to haunt my nightmares because um, <laughs> stop motion is terrifying. Oh, is it like a horror I love thing? that. Yeah. Well, it wasn't supposed to be like scary, but it was just like early, you know, stop motion. So it was just creepy. <laughs> Like not on purpose, yep. But it has like so. I think the creepiest Mm -hmm. part was, uh, you know, everything's stop motion, so it's all made of clay and things like that. But they had like this perfect little baby doll that was supposed to be Aurora as a baby, and it was fine until it started moving, (laughs) and then it really freaked me out. Oh no! (laughs) The evil fairy in that her name was Carabas. And Carabas was an icon. She is amazing. She has an eye patch. And also in that version, she actually does get invited, but a carrier pigeon drops her invite. So she thinks that she's not invited oh, to Aurora's like christening. The story is absolving the king and queen of their rudeness. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. And she makes a fucking entrance and she's an icon. Just like our Disney Maleficent. Which we haven't even really talked about the Disney version either. But yeah, I, w- I definitely wanted to thank Nick for sending us a bunch of great recommendations. Thank you all again so much for listening to Fairy Tale Fix. If you love the show and want to support us, you can get extra episodes, merch, books, other bonus content by signing up for our Patreon at fairytalefix.cash for about what you'd pay for a latte a month. And it really uh, helps us out. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at FairytaleFixPod. And please, please, oh, please uh, keep in touch. Email us your favorite fairy tales, folklore, nursery rhymes, and other such things at info at FairytaleFixPod.com. And I had so many fixes for all possible versions of Sleeping Beauty. But I think my favorite one and the one that I'm really going to stick with is fairy godmothers. Give, give, give kids better gifts. Yes. The fairies gave Sleeping Beauty gifts that were not beauty and niceness. They gave her something cooler. (laughs) They gave her something way cooler, like breathing underwater and Mm -hmm. teleportation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And definitely read the Charles Perrault version. And they all lived happily Happily ever ever after. after. (laughs) The The end. end.